Three, two, one. Florida State is nine and zero, and officially, twenty twenty three ACC championship bound. The Florida State Seminoles will be heading to Charlotte in early December. Florida State takes down Pittsburgh twenty four to seven. A kind of a slow start there, definitely. Uh, right off I the don't. bat, no points were scored by any team, but in that second quarter, Florida State puts up ten. Pittsburgh has seven going at halftime, and then after that, Florida State's defense. As it did throughout the game, stays solid, not allows any points in the second half. Adam Fuller cooked up a nice second-half plan, and Florida State put up 14 in the third quarter, and that pretty much put it away. No points on the board at all from any team in the fourth. So Florida State, 24-7. to With me this evening is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer and game preview guy for the 2023 season. And then down below is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this game? I know what the stat sheet says. I refuse to believe Florida State had 500 yards of offense. Hmm. Just makes absolutely zero sense. And, you know, early on, there's there's definitely some questionable decisions between Norvell's play call on fourth down, Travis holding on the ball and taking a sack instead of throwing it away, flea flickers. There's a lot of that, but you get out of there with the win. All of us were way off on the predictions, and we're going to go down in the, in the standings for FSU beat. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a weird game. Yeah, weird is uh, – I think that's just saying the least that you can about this game. I mean, um, and same thing with you calling it a slow start, Logan. I mean, it was an abysmal start for Florida State, especially on offense coming out. First six drives first six drives of the game produced no points for the Seminoles. You have a, um, a turnover on downs in the red zone, um, multiple – three and outs, obviously the fumble on the opening possession of the game from Lawrence Toa Philly. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and this is also obviously with Johnny Wilson and then Keon Coleman, who was a late scratch in this one out of the lineup for say without their two top receivers. It looked ugly, but, I mean, credit to them for finding a way to pull it together there late in the second quarter, doing enough in the third quarter there with some big plays from Kyle Morlock, Marquise and Douglas, and obviously Trey Benson with that 55-yard 50, run to kind of ice things there. But, I mean, this one was uh, within doubt for a lot of this game. And I think you do have to give Florida State some credit here. I mean, obviously going up against an overmatched opponent, but at least on offense without two of your top playmakers, still find a way to get it done, still find a way to, like Austin said, somehow get 500 yards of offense. Jordan Travis throws for a season-high 360 yards without Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman in the lineup. It was a strange game. Florida State is 9-0. and Survive in advance. We got to give a lot of credit to the defense. Conrad Hussey gets a pick. Fenchel Cypress strips Pitts receiver running into the wide, running into the end zone. So instead of a touchdown, it's a touchback. Another forced fumble there at the end of the game. Pittsburgh was 0 of 10 on third downs. This was a win for Florida State's defense more than it was Florida State's offense. As many yards as they had, as, as much production as Jordan Travis had, this was all about the defense. Yeah, defense came to play. Also, to Conrad Hussey, forced fumble as well. That kid is going to be very, very good during his career at Florida State. Absolute stud, but just giving some credit here to some guys that stood up that needed to take charge with Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson being out number one. I uh, go with Ja'Kai Douglas. There were some grabs there that he made, which I thought were really impressive. Also, of course, that that throw from Jordan Travis that went deep with Ja'Kai, that was just a really impressive play, getting your head back and looking for that ball. But it was placed perfectly. They do that in practice every day, and it, it worked out perfectly there. And also, too, I think Kyle Morlock 
really, really uh, stepped up too in this game. Florida State was trying to do some things here and there with Jaheim Bell, but Kyle Morlock took that next took that next step, I think, and showed that he can be a pivotal factor in, in Mike Norvell's offense. Um, but yeah, I, I can't believe some of the stats are just so weird with, uh, at least on for, for Pittsburgh, you know, some certain things that they would do. They tried to go deep and they did that once go back to the almost very uh, beginning of the game where Pittsburgh tried to put up some points and you see Fintrell Cypress make an Antoine Winfield Jr. play there, punching that ball out. It actually comes back inbounds, recovers there in the end zone for a touchback. That play saved up, saved off. Shaved off seven points, but also I think a lot of momentum shift there in Florida State's favor, which was much needed. It was absolutely crucial, and I mean, it kind of gets overlooked now with everything that happened the, the rest of the ball game. But at that point in the game, I mean, you're looking at Pittsburgh. If they score that one and get the other touchdown, they're potentially up 14 to 10 going into the half. And instead, you've got uh, Fentrell Cypress, who was obviously beat on this play. I mean, it looked like it was going to be an 82-yard Pittsburgh touchdown. But instead, he continues to hustle, continues to pursue, doesn't give up on the play, and finally gets there and makes something happen. And, you know, that's that just goes to show about this defense never giving up. We actually talked about it on Wednesday um, during the podcast in the practice observations that defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator Adam Fuller gave some serious praise to Conrad Hussey after he came from the backside of a running play in practice, a, a play that was – a 30 or 40 yard run by Rodney Hill down the sideline, but Hussey pursued from the opposite sideline to push him out of bounds rather than giving up a touchdown and got some serious praise for that. And this, that, that lesson kind of goes right here to what Cypress did. He didn't give up hustle despite the big play and got Florida state, the football back. And also a lot of credit to Cypress for realizing that it was a fumble. Cause I think everybody else in the building just thought, ah, he went in the end zone whatever Cypress is like oh, I think I got that ball out let me get on this sure enough it was a fumble just an incredible play by Cypress that honestly saved Florida State the game because who knows what would have happened if Pitt gets that touchdown plus the touchdown to follow and they are up 14 10 and a half and have that momentum instead Florida State takes a dumpy 10 to 7 lead and a half and they're able to get some momentum from that and have a great third quarter yeah looking at some of the stats here total yards 501 uh, on the day for the Seminoles, uh, the rush game was something too that struggled throughout this game. Uh, you know, of, of course, you have Trey Benson's big 55 yard touchdown, that's what carries the stat sheet there. But Florida State was struggling with Pittsburgh's front seven, they were doing a great job in the trenches. And Florida State's offensive line, you could tell, you know, some guys dinged up, they've been looking to recover. Man, you know, I know a lot of those guys on the interior, Florida State, really hoping they can get some guys healed up, but. Uh, you know, Darius Washington had to play. You know, he also got called call with holding Casey Roddick, too. But, you know, throughout the game, it was a struggle there in the trenches to get anything going uh, with, with Trey Benson, Lawrence Toafili, uh, and it was really primarily those two guys in the backfield in the running back room. It was a tough game between the tackles for Florida State, especially with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman being out. It just meant Pittsburgh could key on the run even more, and I think we saw that, you know, with them going basically – man coverage on the receivers for the majority of the game and just continuing to send pressure, I mean, play after play. And, you know, Florida State, they were able to have a little bit of success, but, I mean, for the most part, the Panthers did a very good job of limiting that rushing attack. Austin mentioned it before we go live, but Trey Benson has a 55-yard rushing touchdown, and Florida State still finishes below four yards a carry, just 3.7 on the day on 37 attempts. 
So it was an ugly game out there for the most part. The offensive line, like you said, Lord, I think you can tell that there are some guys where the injuries are beginning to pile up a little bit. And I mean, it was a struggle um, from those guys up front. I'm not sure if Robert Scott played at all. Darius Washington obviously started that left tackle spot. But I mean, I, I'm not sure if I saw Robert Scott rotate in at all. And if he did, it wasn't very much. So, yeah, a struggle yeah. for Forrest on the ground today. I think Rodney Hill's rushing stat line tells the whole story. Six carries for five yards, but a lawn of nine. <laughs> it, it it was just a like you guys said, the offensive line just wasn't great. I think Pitt had eleven tackles for loss, like you were saying earlier. Yep. It's just very ugly game from the offensive line, and it's I think it's fair to say they've seen the most regression out of any position unit from last year. And it kind of sucks to see. Granted, there's injuries. Granted, there's not the same continuity because guys are in and out of the lineup. But it's definitely been disappointing. And it's wild to see that because Rodney Hill was running extremely hard in this game. Mm, he yeah. was. That, that's the first screen pass in, what was that, the second drive of the game where he just absolutely ran a dude over and then he did it again in the fourth fourth <laughs> quarter again. He really is just a baby Isaiah Pacheco because he just runs angry every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like his physicality, and you just don't really expect it from Rodney, but he'll because you expect it from Trey Benson. That's what you yeah. expect, and then you're like, okay, let me just grab this guy's. This guy's not 230 pounds like Trey Benson, and nope, yeah, you get run over, and it's not fun by Rodney Hill. But yeah, run game, and you can just definitely tell up up front for Florida State the offensive line. Uh, you know, just not their best day. And, you know, I think it's all relying on some health here. So I got to hope some guys can recover because that was a really physical defense that they faced. And, you know, we talked about in the preview, I have a whole ton of respect for Narduzzi. He knows how to coach. He knows how to put defensive players into the league. And, uh, you know, they, they played the best they could against a, a talented Florida State team that were without their two biggest, some of their two biggest weapons on offense. One of their biggest, of course, was Keon Coleman. But, uh, you know, you still get the win. You're 24 uh, to seven on the road. And like we've been saying throughout the season, too, you're going to get anybody, anybody's best shot. And when you're the number four team in the country, there's ACC championship versus on the line. You know, there's just so many things that, you know, a team is going to create more hunger for to to ruin your day. So um, or ruin your season overall. But, yeah, Florida State gets it done. You know, watching to at the end of the game, you know, we saw Tate Rodemaker jump in there. Um, you know, which was good. I mean, that that I'm excited for Tate Rodemaker next year, not to like change subject, but I'm, I'm excited to see Tate Rodemaker. Some of these throws are right on the money. I mean, that one right over to Vondravius Jacobs where he got hit with targeting there. And Vondravius almost brought that in too. That, that kid's going to be special, but that, that's a rope from Tate Rodemaker. These these balls have been put right on the money from him. Um, but Jay Trav kind of going to the sideline, holding on to his right knee, talk with Mike Norvell. He talks with one of their lead trainers as well. Something to most certainly monitor going into this next week of practice as Florida State prepares for most likely if Miami can get it done tonight if they can get it done against nc state potential college game day and an eight o'clock kickoff and dope but something we got to watch for qb1 yeah he wasn't the only one a couple guys got dinged up during the course of this game we saw lawrence toe philly exit prior to the conclusion to go back to the locker room and you know obviously with keon coleman being scratched before this game with an undisclosed injury going to be interesting to hear if uh, mike norvell provides any sort of updates uh following the game and you could tell Destin Hill, too, is not fully 100% yeah. there. He had that big catch, 29 yards, kind of play out of nowhere that Jordan Travis made, the usual J-Trav making something out of nothing. And, you know, Destin Hill swapping over to the other side of the field and getting that 29-yard gain. But you could just – that's just not 100% Destin Hill, and it was easy to 
watch. You know, he, he's usually beating multiple other defenders downfield with his speed and elusiveness. I will say, I kind of doubt it on the college game day aspect. Next week's got so many great games, and college game day, we just have to decide, you know, we really want to go see Miami, Florida State. Because, I mean, you have Ole Miss, Georgia, Utah, Washington, Tennessee, Missouri, USC, Oregon, to some extent. There's some really good games next week, and I don't know if they'll value FSU, Miami, like some of those other games, but we'll see. The offensive line's also got to get much healthier this week, like we were kind of talking about. Miami's got a very physical front four. I mean, Ruben Bain's playing as well as any D lineman in the country right now. Um, so they're going to have to get ready for him. And not only that, but you're going to go up against Miami. Then you've got Florida in three weeks. And then you go into the ACC championship, which it looks like as of now, Louisville, the favorite to uh, be the other team in the AC title game this year, defeated Virginia Tech. So um, the only team remaining in the ACC with one conference loss, Florida State obviously undefeated in conference play. But I do think you got to give some credit to Pittsburgh um, for how they played in this game today. We talked about on Wednesday, you know, coming off that 58-7 to loss and with the way some of those comments from Pat Narduzzi got construed, was this team going to come out and play their best game of the season or were they just going to come lay down? And, I mean, Pittsburgh, really, they had the perfect recipe for an upset brewing in that first half with the way their defense was able to limit Florida State's offense. And you think back to that third quarter, I mean, they're – maybe an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty away from tying up that game at 10 apiece. And who knows where it goes from there, but Florida State able to respond. And at the end of the day, championship teams find a way. And Florida State, despite trailing 7 nothing this game, scores the final 24 points. I know the 30-point-plus streak ends today, but, I mean, Florida State three yards away from continuing that as well. Um, you know, finish winning by 17, were favored by 21 points in this game. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that kind of goes into effect uh, in the AP poll voting tomorrow. And also when the second college football playoff mm -hmm. rankings come, come together on Tuesday night, because even though they struggled <clears throat> in this game, I mean, Florida state did end up winning it kind of handily. So I will say the spread moved after the Keon news came out and it was 17 and a half before the game started. So okay. just one point away. So mm -hmm. if Florida state kicks that field goal, instead mm -hmm. of, a dumbass fourth and two Trey Benson run, they would have covered. Or if they just go for it on that final drive instead of letting the yeah, clock run out. There, there's definitely some optics of that. It's definitely more realistic to just kick the field goal in the red zone. But who am I to judge? <laughs> we need the cover. We need the cover. Uh, one unit who I think was a menace for Pittsburgh's offense was that linebacker room. I thought Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach, DJ Lundy were absolutely everywhere i thought this was one of their best games providing pressure almost forcing a fumble there he did uh kalen deloach did with that pop like they they set the tone throughout the game and dj lundy too man he continues to make plays on defense for the last couple of weeks for the seminoles i thought that whole unit to me uh get, gets a ton of credit for setting the tone defensively and maybe for the team overall uh, they came to play this saturday afternoon against the panthers yeah you could definitely see the way kalen and tatum bethune were flying around um, they had a couple of missed tackles and a couple of bad angles on a few plays, but for the most part, I mean, they were both very impactful. And then up front on the defensive line, Braden Fisk gets his first sack um, mm -hmm. since transferring to Florida State. Got a big hug from Odell on the sidelines after that and a smile. You don't see many of those. Um, so I thought for the most part, Florida State's defense, I mean, in this game, matched up to the level of physicality from Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's offensive line and, I mean, did a really good job of limiting the Panthers' Uh, for the most part, we talked about 
turnovers and force State able to force three of them. I know you mentioned Conrad Hussey getting that interception and force fumble um, earlier in the show. And, I mean, overall, big outing from this unit. There were some struggles at times. I know Akeem Dent, you know, had a missed tackle. Patrick Payton had a missed tackle and had that penalty. But, I mean, you know, for the fourth or fifth straight week, a very solid outing for this defense. Actually, Pittsburgh's 333 yards, the most that FSU has given up in the last uh, four games. And still below 50% completion. I know Vayer – I still hate saying that. I know Vayer had two hundred, almost 250 yards passing, but a lot of them were just – you know, he's rolling, he's rolling backwards, throwing it off his back foot, up for grabs, and it somehow falls into Pitt's hands, and he still completes just 43% of his passes. I thought it was, like you said, thought it was overall very good performance by the entire defense. Got to give a lot of love to Braden Fisk, even though his stat line is only going to have one tackle for tackle for loss. It seems like he was constantly getting pressure, pushing the guard back in the quarterback's lap. I just felt like he did a very good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he went for 15 of 35, 244 yards, one touchdown, and that interception there. Florida State putting themselves in the right position a lot of times defensively. Uh, and so did too Pittsburgh at the beginning, at the beginning of the game. And I think throughout it too, you know, the defense showed up definitely in the secondary, they had tight coverage and were causing a lot of deflections. They were in, in coverage nicely on a lot of Florida state's weapons offensively. So, um, but yeah, still for offensively Bayer couldn't, couldn't really do much whenever you have Braden Fisk, you got farmer kind of disrupting on the middle coming up on the inside. Um, it, it just caused concern and too something that we, We'll look into kind of this week. It was good to see him back in the game, though. But Jared Verse, two went down. Every FSU fan was about to faint and pass out. And <laughs> as they should, such an impactful player, leader, everything. Jared Verse, what he brings to the table is, is ridiculous. But uh, he came back. He's good, which is really good to see. That's two back-to-back weeks where FSU fans are almost having heart attacks, man. It's, it's scary out here. <laughs> and then you have I- Jay Trav grabbing his knee going to the sideline man it's like it just builds it, it builds stress for for fans going into the next week in their the game i just want to know what the pit player said uh whenever verse was same. down that drew that penalty same because that was um, a big penalty at that point in the game i mean clearly it had to be about a field goal range it had to be something pretty bad because before the ref threw the flag i noticed that the team or like the coaches and staff standing in front of him right there had started to turn their heads around whenever he <laughs> He said whatever he said. I mean, and, and the head official looked right at him and just like followed his, followed him down the sideline and threw the flag. I was like, he must have said something. I'd, this, this is why we need refs to have post game conferences so we can ask stuff like this. <laughs> we'll never know, but I mean, man, never. it had to be something. What, what, that was their tight end, right? Who was talking shit? Was, yeah, Gavin, Gavin Bartholomew, I think it was. So Long he, last well, he probably had a couple of plays where he was having to go against Jared. And, you know, Jared has told us, he's told the media, you know, he likes to chirp a little bit. I mean, we had him for his interview whenever he was uh, transferring over to Florida State on here. And, you know, he said he's a guy that likes to talk trash and back it up. And, you know, he does that throughout games. And so I'm sure he got into his ear and triggered him up a little bit. But see what it does, though? It earns Florida State pushing Pittsburgh back another 15 yards. And it really eliminated three points, you know, for for Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And so that was that was huge. I do want to give Ja'Kai Douglas some love in this game, a career-high six catches for 115 yards, had that nice catch on the drive that ended up getting Florida State their first touchdown in the game and just overall was consistently making plays in the receiving game. A guy who you know has struggled the last couple of weeks as he's worked his way back into the lineup. 
from injuries. And, you know, it was good to see him break out, especially after this week of practice, you know, I had some drops in practice. So to see him come through with a big game and an area where Florida State really needed him to step up was absolutely huge. <clears throat> but at the same time, I mean, there were some big struggles on the special team side of the ball, especially early in the game with um, not fair catching the ball and allowing him to bounce. You know, obviously that one possession Florida State got pinned back at the one and just a couple of times, I mean, just losing a ton of yardage from those punts, something that we saw, you know, the last couple of years before Florida State had Micah Pittman and Keon Coleman back there fielding these punts, it kind of just felt like a flashback to uh, 2020 and 2021 when there were some real struggles at the at the position. Got to give him a little credit because he responded, finally started fair catching some of those as the game went on. Did have the one that he muffed, but I mean, overall, it was a it was a tough outing for Florida State on special teams. I mean, even just for Jacob Douglas in general, it started out slow because. They targeted him twice on some jump ball opportunities. Like, why are we throwing a jump ball to a five foot nine slot receiver? And throughout the game, the timing was there a little bit more. You mentioned the the slot fade to him at the end of the first half, potentially. I can't remember exactly when it was. But I, I will still stand by. I hate the play call. Third and three, and we're throwing a slot fade. But it was a great adjustment by Jakai Douglas to come down with the play. It's a great throw by Jordan Travis. And, you know, we were all wondering who was going to step up with Johnny Wilson out and then Keon Coleman out. So Kyle Douglas had a big game. I wish we saw more Tron. You know, I, don't, I think he was only targeted once, maybe twice. I can't really remember off the top of my head, and it's not showing on stat broadcast, sadly. But mm-hmm. really would have loved to see more of him. And I'd be interested to see or to hear, and I'm not sure if we will get this information from the coaching staff, but just how long was it prior to this game against Pittsburgh? Did they figure out that Keon Coleman was going to be unavailable for this one? And how much did it adjust the game plan? Because at least early on, I mean, it was extremely conservative for Florida State. So bland. Oh, my God. Tight end screens. I mean, you had Jaheim, Marquiston, and Morlock all catch a tight end screen before the conclusion of the second quarter. Running back screens, runs up the middle, a random flea flicker. Um, it was just kind of all over the place. Like you said, Austin, some throws on the outside and one-on-one coverage to shorter wide receivers. So I'd just be interested to see, you know, how much – how long was it before this game did Florida State learn they weren't going to have Keon? Uh, I mean, obviously, we can't say a ton from practice, but, I mean, there were some stuff that we noticed throughout the week in practice that made us wonder if Coleman would be available for this game. We figured he'd be able to to suit up after the last couple of weeks – um, obviously, he did not play today, but I, would, I wouldn't I would be surprised if he's back this upcoming week against Miami. Jordan Travis had 25 pass attempts in the first half. And I want to say seven of them were screens. I was losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, and Pittsburgh was figuring that out pretty easily. Yep. Uh, question on Sumo. From Sumo Sumo on Facebook, uh, we're not going to lose, but if we did, are we still in the ACC championship? Everything's yep. locked in. As official, Florida State is in Charlotte. Now it's just depending on who they will be facing, but they've done their job. They've locked it in. They're nine and zero. They did what they need to do in the ACC, and you know it's kind of easy at this rate of how many times you know Florida State having game every week, every week. We kind of overlook some things that they've done throughout this season, and there's so many things that uh, that they that they've broken record wise, and, and just looking at what Mike Norvell has done, and I, I don't think the national media has fully yet until they probably either win the ACC championship or once they get into, you know, their, their PR run with making the college football playoff and they get a lot of media attention, really just going back and us being able to go on here as a show to reflect on what Mike Norvell had to do year by year by year to get to this point, to reach the 2024, 2023 
ACC championship is it's it's incredible. It really is. The some you know some of the things that we used to come on here and talk about, guys, about this locker room, <laughs> the culture, some things that we would hear, some things that were being told to us internally from that program that just sounded like it was it could be five years six years seven years before Florida State could turn this thing around for for Mike Norvell to do this and and three years and show what he what what kind of culture he's been able to shift and I like how the broadcast one of the good things that they talked about uh had a good line there about you know Florida State you know they 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 pick who they want in that transfer portal and Mike Norvell and that staff has, has perfected that process and some of these players coming in for their their first year just months on campus and making such a massive impact Keon Coleman coming in doing this Jared verse uh, and so many others Trey Benson it's it's a, it's astonishing I think I think the the national media got, got to give a lot more credit to to Mike Norvell um, it, it, it's it, it's stunning I don't think the job can be um, understated about what he's done in Tallahassee I mean it wasn't that long ago you know back in 2021 when Florida State was Oh, and four. And we were all wondering, you know, is Mike Norvell going to be the guy? Is Florida State going to have to go look for another coach? And since then, Florida State 24 and six, and just a complete and total turnaround for Florida State these last couple of years. And it's come through the transfer portal, it's come through development of guys that were on the roster before Norvell even arrived in Tallahassee. It's come through his recruiting efforts as well, you know, classes that maybe haven't been as higher ranked, but we've seen some serious contributors emerge from those ranks. And then now we're seeing now in, in this 2024 class, them currently sitting among the top five recruiting classes in the country, that success finally paying off at the prep level recruiting as well. So, I mean, just in all facets, you know, you look at the way the locker room has developed on the field, the recruiting efforts, the coaching staff that's in place right now, there's a ton of stability and success going on at Florida state and, you know, it just feels like the Seminoles are going to continue to climb. We all thought Norville had it in him to build this team the right way. But, you know, like Logan was saying, after that 0-4 start, we didn't know if he was going to get the time. And to see the run Florida State's had since then, like you just mentioned, 24-6, and super, super impressive. It's light years ahead of where we thought they would be at this point in the rebuild. You know, 9-0, and ACC championship appearance already clinched. Your top four in the college football playoffs, you know, if you keep winning, you're in. I don't think anyone would have thought that sitting mm-hmm. 0-4 in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things had to go through to get done, and uh, they've done that. A lot of good stuff off the field, too, academically as well. Um, you know, no, no off the field, uh, you know, bad things happening. You know, it's just a lot of things that go in with it, and it, I think it's just – it's super impressive because you're bringing in all these transfers and it's changing, you know, you have so many different personalities coming in and you're hoping that they can mesh in such a quick, short amount of time. And uh, they do that and they beat LSU right off the bat using Jaheim Bell, first year transfer, Keon Coleman, first year transfer. It's, it's really, really cool to see. And uh, you know, shout out to what Mike Norvell and the staff have been able to do, but, um, yeah, Florida State wins 24 to 7 tonight, though. Miami, in just about 10 minutes or so, will face on the road in Raleigh against NC State. I know a lot of FSU fans will be monitoring that game just because, like I was saying earlier, if Miami does win that, there's a 
there is a chance that Florida State will have College Game Day in town. Will definitely certainly be a primetime matchup no matter what, even if College Game Day is not there. If Miami does what they need to do, this will be uh, a night kickoff. And Doak, looking for, I'm looking forward to being up there next weekend. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what the Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal decide to do. You never know what kind of uh, team wants to show up on Saturday under Cristobal, but uh, they, they've got a squad, and, and I think Miami would love to ruin everything. So in Florida, you know, if you still got your two main rivals that you've got to face before the season's over with Florida and Miami. So still some challenges ahead, no matter what. Um, but you get the you get the Hurricanes at home, and you get the Gators in Gainesville, which will be there in attendance for to cover as well in a few weeks. Miami playing at NC State tonight, so. That's, that's a place Never I don't know. want to be playing on a Saturday night. We'll see how that goes for the Hurricanes. Florida obviously upset at home earlier today by Arkansas in Gainesville. First uh, victory for the Razorbacks ever at Florida. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks as Florida State gets into these rivalry games. There's a chance Florida's fighting for their bowl eligibility when they welcome Florida State to town because they're 5-4 and four right now. They play at LSU next week at Missouri the week after that, and then play Florida State. So they may be playing with something or with a lot to prove. The loss to Arkansas today was really their best chance to get bowl eligible, and now they really have to scrap and claw. And, yeah, to your point about Miami, there are, fewer, there are a few places in college football <laughs> worse than Carter Finley Stadium in Raleigh. Nightmares. Just Nightmares. horrible. <laughs> horrible fans, horrible stadium. Mm. And NC State's coming off the win over Clemson, so you got a little momentum there. Be interesting though, because if Miami wins this one, you're looking at three straight victories, or is it even four straight victories for the Hurricanes? Um, coming into Doak, and maybe they sneak into that top 25, have a ranked matchup um, next be, Saturday. It would be three because they've had two straight overtime wins over Clemson and Virginia since losing to UNC. Um, uh, yeah, and then Jimbo Fisher loses today. In the last two minutes facing Ole Miss, and then Dabo Sweeney with an incredible quote at the end saying, "It's if you're going to do it now, buy stock in Clemson football, brother. You got to buy November stock, 4th, it's my down, man. That's November fourth. It's too early. Market's closed, dog. It's over. It's yeah. over. At least Clemson showed it is still very hard to win in Death Valley. Yep, and coaches still get pissed off about fans. They hold that on them. They they he probably wrote it down on his mirror and everything. That fan <laughs> that called him that ticked him off. He showed him today. He showed that fan. And I believe Clemson's next two games are at home as well. So they've, you know, maybe they go on a little run and get to more of a little bit of a respectable record. And where do we? How does strength the schedule go from here? Because it took Ohio State a walk off play to beat Notre Dame, and then Clemson. I mean, pretty much easily handles Notre Dame for the easily, most part. Easily is a stretch. That game got a little hairy there at the end because Clemson Clemson had the game won and then they fumbled it with like a minute forty five left. Clemson almost Clemson, but did not Clemson. Yeah. They were they were trying their, they were trying their hardest to Clemson, but mm-hmm. Notre Dame Notre Dame more. Yeah, hundred percent, but. Yep. Well, we got to bounce out of here because the Celtics play VZ and Dustin's got to get over there Soft. and watch watch his Boston Celtics. But we've been on here for 30 minutes, a great instant reaction. It's nice for all of us to be on here next week. Uh, it will be 
it will still be us because I will be in attendance for the game. So we'll be from inside Doe Campbell Stadium on Bobby Bowden Field, giving our instant reaction to Florida State versus Miami. But before that, next week at Wednesday, we'll be previewing the game. Hopefully we'll be able to have a guest on too to give us some good insight into the Hurricanes. But Florida State is headed to the ACC Championship in Charlotte. 24-7, to beat the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, before you bounce out of here, hit the like button, share with your friends, hit the subscribe button too. Tons of content going out there fluidly all throughout the week. So make sure you guys are staying tuned on there. But yeah, that's going to do it for us on Hear the Spirit. Everybody enjoy the rest of y'all's weekend. And we'll talk to you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace.